And hello, folks. This is Mel Fambergas with another Veritas special report. This time we are discussing Syria. This is the most important piece of news that we have right now, and there are too many questions. And for that, I have uh, located my friend John Paul Leonard from Progressive Press at progressivepress.com. Uh, JP represents a lot of great authors, a lot of great people you have listened to here in Veritas, uh, William Engdahl, uh, Richard Cottrell, Jeffrey Grupp, and, and others. So hello, uh, JP, and, and welcome to Veritas. Good morning, Mel. Thank you so much for having me on your show. It's my pleasure. And JP, you and I have been talking in the last couple of days. Uh, you have been looking into these, uh, uh, in all the facets of what's happening in Syria, too many questions as to what's really happening. I've searched for a lot of the polls that I've seen in the past few days, and almost every single one shows that over 90% of the American people are against any military intervention uh, with Syria. Yet, President Obama and his, uh, and his comrades, they want to push forward. What is going on? Well, I think that the people have realized that uh, we spent a, a enormous resources, killed a million people, and lost enormous prestige in Iraq based on false WMD fabricated evidence. And we've got nothing to show for it. Iraq is not behaving like a little vassal. They're lining up with Iran. Um, we'll get in later and when we get into the background on the Syria venture that pipelines play a big role. Iran is on the other guy's side in the pipeline thing. So uh, Americans realize we, we got nothing for all of our trouble and they just don't want to buy into it again. I think Americans are basically isolationists. They're people that left the old world to come to a new one. They, they don't really want to go back and mess around. Now, this pipeline situation, this is the one thing that we don't hear in the mainstream. I, I even have to dig in the alternative media to come up with it. Yeah, the, exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, many people don't know this, but uh, I think, in my opinion, the real reason why this is happening, it's Iran, Iraq and Syria signed a deal in 2011 for the construction of the Middle East largest gas pipeline, which would transfer Iranian gas from Iran's South Pars gas field to Europe, the Lebanon, and the Mediterranean Sea. This is truly a game changer if allowed to continue, JP. Yes, that's right. All the other factors about Syria not having a Rothschild bank, not recognizing Israel, these have been around for quite a while. Uh, Assad is, is not a, the, the younger Assad is certainly not as much of a dictator as the old one, which, which makes it actually easier to get in there and start one of these color revolutions. Of course, 2011 was when they started the campaign um, in in Syria. We've done that book, Subverting Syria, showing how this was kind of a, not exactly a color revolution. It was more of a, a it was more of a fabricated insurgency uh, and that the, the, the main focus of that book is about how the Pentagon has this asymmetrical warfare methods of, of launching insurgencies against uh, regimes or governments that they wish to topple. So those were all things that were, have been around for a while. And I agree that uh, why it's happening now, first of all, 2011 was the, the Arab Spring whole launch there, which may, that choice of date may be related to creedal passion periods or whatever. And 2011, as you say, was when that pipeline deal was signed, which uh, a big game changer because uh, Iran would become tied more closely to Europe. So Europe would, would automatically become less of a colony. And 
the other rival pipeline plan is for Qatar to put a pipeline through Jordan, Syria, and Turkey to to Europe. So the the Iran uh, Iraq Syria line preempts Syria uh, preempts Qatar and Turkey, and those are the two big backers of this this uh, this terrorist this Al Nusra this Al Qaeda uh, insurgency. So it, it's not just these uh, countries are puppets of U.S. imperialism. They're they're also motivated uh, through the way things are to to push these and then finance these things on their own. Why is it better to have all these countries, uh, say, take Egypt, which doesn't have oil at all, uh, uh, but we have Libya, and now it's in chaos. It's uh, it's anarchy there right now, uh, my sources tell me. Why is it better to have all these countries with a Muslim Brotherhood-type government? Why is extremism in this area of the world profitable? Is it because instability increases the price of oil? Well, I think it's a deeper question than that. That's been going on for a long time. The British started the Saudis and the Wahhabis in business at the end of the 18th century. That's uh, the 1700s, since the 1700s, right? They've been working at this. So what you see is Islam is, is not even what it was. It's It's distorted. The Saudis, of course, have so much money from the oil that they are funding their version of Islam everywhere. By making Islam more extreme, you isolate Islam from the rest of the world. This is basic divide and conquer. If you buy into the Anthony Sutton thesis that Wall Street financed the Bolsheviks and the Nazis, then you see the pattern. You put a counter gang into a rival power center, a rival empire, and you, you make them go crazy. They go around attacking everybody around them. I think Napoleon was also kind of a one-man counter gang. And so they exhaust themselves. Then you come in on the white horse and to be the save, save the world for democracy. So by giving the Muslims a, a crazy ideology, they're completely uh, disabled from having any alliances. And I think Webster Tarpley writes a whole chapter on this in 9-11 Synthetic Terror. Um, I think it's called Al-Qaeda, the CIA's Foreign Legion or something like that. So this is a this is a why you this is the whole thing with fascism. Another aspect of it is that you can get people all worked up about what Tarpley calls wedge issues. There, it's very cheap to get people marching uh, for religion, like uh, the Pope with his crusades, get people marching to to take uh, the Palestine on their own budget, and. Uh, that's how the oligarchy actually ran the, the the religious wars in Europe. People always, a lot of people like atheists say, "Oh, I don't like religion because they're always fighting about it." Religion has been used by by the the power masters because it's the cheapest way to get people to fight each other. And fascism is the same thing. You can get people to work for nothing uh, under fascism. Uh, and other wedge issues like get people talking about gay marriage or you look on Yahoo and it's all this celebrity rubbish. It's bread and circuses. Bread and circus for sure. It's a distraction for everybody. And just turn on the mainstream media in the United States. And I just cannot believe, again, over 90% of the people are against this. Yet you, you go to CNN on the left, you go to Fox News on the right, and you see pretty much the same. They're not talking about the real mm. reasons. Now, 
isn't this, in your opinion, a false flag, what happened in Syria? And this has been planned for a long time. We even heard the Obama administration approving this plan that they would support military intervention if a chemical uh, a chemical weapon was used in Syria. This has been planned for a very long time. The so-called red line. Exactly. Yes, uh, I've been following this since uh, early last year, and uh, one of my most inspiring sources was Syrian girl Partizan. She's done a couple of videos warning that they're going to use the chemical weapon false flag for their pretext, that that's their pretext of choice. There have been a couple, couple, couple CW incidents earlier this year. The one in March was determined more or less by the UN, although they didn't, you know, make billboards about it, to be a rebel action because the material, it was, um, they used these uh, homemade rockets and homemade sarin gas, uh, which is, has, it's a different, it's easy to make, but not, not in the pure military grade. So yeah, they've been they've been working on this for for a while, and this is their weapon. This is their their choice. And another aspect that Syrian girl brought out is that CW can be a deterrent, and they don't want any of these nations to have a deterrent. And I think it was in her interview with Alex Jones where they agreed that that they, they disarmed Gaddafi, and the UN was in Iraq inspecting to make sure they really had no WND because they wanted when they went in there they want to make sure there wasn't any. So that's why they're choosing another reason why they're choosing CW as the issue. So they they would like to get a mandate to go in there and take out all the all the CW. Then there's no deterrent against Israel. The this is the poor man's nuke. You can have a deterrent without developing a nuclear program, which is of course much more difficult to hide. You know, most people don't see also the parallels of what's happening here. When I watched Kerry give his his. Uh, speech a few days ago it reminds me of you remember the Nayira testimony back in 1990 <laughs> and then colin powell and the weapon of, of mass destruction uh, speech yeah. those were two moments in history that i think the media used to turn the people uh, another pearl harbor moment moment to 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 rally the people behind them is this what happened with Kerry a few days ago what do you mean exactly what happened with the... Well, Kerry, by saying, you know, all, all this, what's happening, showing the images. Well, and the children, the... right. Yes. I've actually just, latest thing I've been looking at, is it possible that we know there was a, there was a chemical weapon attack uh, to, uh, by all accounts, and but it's interesting that the, the U.S. figure is about 1,100 higher than the, the figure in, that the Europeans are coming up with. And there's been some comments, why are there so many children in the photos? Did they gather these children together in order to gas them? And there was another allegedly hacked email indicating that the children were actually staged, sort of like the Boston bombing thing, that there was a photo op. So that a lot of these things are, are fairly complex in their composition. It's not all one thing. Like if you go into all the different theories about 9-11 – you can see that there probably were a lot of things going on at once. It's like Hollywood. You have the special effects department and the other. You have the real actors and the stunt actor. And it's all and it's all kind of put together into one image. So um, the children, of course, that's that's always the, 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 the heart jerker. But I think that people, most of the people, the comments I've seen, I've seen articles where 90% of the comments are stay out of there, but only a small percentage – Maybe 20% think that it's a false flag. So people are just fed up. 
and they just don't trust anymore. And they're not exactly sure why, but they say we can't afford it. And uh, see, this is the part that I don't understand. Obama and Kerry, they continue to say we don't want to stay there for more than what, 60, 90 days. But if you go poke a bear in the eye, and expect that the bear is not going to react. And when I say the bear, I really mean the bear. I mean Russia. Russia is the one that does not want this to happen. If we go bomb Syria, are we not expecting other countries to retaliate? And if they retaliate, all you have to think is of a domino effect. You hit one, you hit the other. You hit Israel, which is exactly what's going to happen here. If Iran gets pulled because I think that's one another reason you have Syria and Iran with a mutual defense agreement. If Syria is attacked, Iran is going to react. It may attack Israel. Israel will with, uh, respond with nuclear uh, nukes and then all bets are off, JP. Well, one of the reasons I felt that Syria was, was an amazing story, a great story, uh, along with all the, the passion involved with, with what's this plucky people fighting against this sinister scheme is that it could be a kind of tipping point or test for the the oligarchy of their for their hegemony. Um, they're trying and they haven't tipped it yet. And there have been so many people saying that Russia is going to do this, Iran is going to do this, but it usually doesn't happen. Russia is uh, a very careful very cautious they they really got burned in afghanistan uh they their nature is more to avoid conflict so if any of these nations actually do strike back if if iran strikes the fifth fleet with their with their missile boats or um putin takes action it will be it will be a red letter day in history because you've got a lot of threats but not much has ever happened. The, the the big bully has not really been tested. And you know the story when a bully, somebody finally stands up to the bully and is able to to laugh it down, the bully is, is slinks away in shame, right? So Russia has not threatened Israel. Putin has threatened Saudi Arabia. That's right. Uh, now, this bandit Bandar Bush was in... in Moscow with a summit with Putin and he way overplayed his hands. He made a, a complete fool of himself and he made Putin extremely furious. And by the way, let me just turn for a second. A lot of people, even I, I thought he was dead a year ago. And the first picture that came along was him and Vladimir Putin. Well, maybe they, maybe they was in a Moscow hospital for a year, but, uh, or maybe, <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe he was taking training because, uh, which maybe didn't work out so well. But yeah, the, he's trying to, they're trying to play the major power. Uh, Saudis are responsible. They're the controllers for international terrorism. I think that's their main role here. They don't really seem to have a pipeline in the fight. And he threatened Putin. If you want, if, if you, first of all, he gave all the carrots, what we'll do for you if you uh, abandon Syria, and then the stick, you're going to have Chechen terrorists spoiling the Winter Olympics in Sochi next year if you don't abandon Assad, Syria. And that apparently made Putin really furious. And he has threatened now, which is completely hushed up in the media, that if the U.S. strikes Syria, he will strike Saudi Arabia. Now, 
is this just another empty threat? If you look at it, he would be very much in the rules of the game. The protocol between the U.S. and the, and the Soviet Union is they never attack each other directly. It's always proxies attacking each other, or they can attack the other guy's proxy. So you hit my proxy, I hit your proxy. It's it's in the accords. It's in the, the rules of the game between the U.S. and the Soviet Union or the new Russia. It's in the rules. And now why is that? Is it because of mad, mutually assured destruction if we hit each other directly? Well, it's just historically founded, uh, right? Uh, neither one wants. To, they're both bullies, right? They don't want to get hurt. They, they and they have both empires, so they'd rather play on the on the fringes. Why, why, why risk your main assets? User bonds, so, right? But so now striking Israel would be something else because arguably Israel runs the United States, so that's really right. the capital of the capital. But Syria, uh, Saudi Arabia doesn't have a whole lot of friends and if, uh, if Putin takes out a dozen F-16s around Riyadh uh, the American military industrial complex will be more than happy to replace them at a at a at right. charges so I mean that's not such an empty threat I mean I'm still skeptical I mean I've been skeptical from the beginning about people say oh it's going to be uh, erupt into a regional uh, conflagration But uh, when you think about it, uh, m maybe he has the guts to do it and get away with it. But see, the part I, I go back to the polls where 90% of the people don't want this. And, you know, what I saw yesterday in, in Congress was a little bit disappointing with the exception of, say, Rand Paul. But I'm looking at the, uh, the list of people who are voting yes, the undecided ones. I just can't understand if their constituents are telling them, do not proceed Why so much trepidation? Well, they're presenting it as as a punitive action because of a chemical weapons event. People aren't interested in that. What, what what's in it for the United States in in doing such a punitive action? Of course, it's not that. What's what's really behind it is they want to degrade the Saudi the Syrian Arab army to the point where and and bring in more rebels. So for the first time, they've uh, overtly sent in some CIA tra trained rebels. So this is a plan to use this airstrike to degrade the army, the Syrian army, and then help the rebels to win because the rebels have been losing big time. Now, what got me on this back into the Syria issue was uh, somebody sent me the story where the the rebels in, in Ghouta, the East Damascus, told uh, a reporter who's a stringer for the AP that it was an accident that the Saudis had given them these weapons. They didn't know what they were. They didn't know how to use them and exploded by accident. It's an interesting story. You can speculate uh, were they patsies or was this a mole that set it off or was it an accident or were they just covering up because the rebels also have their own PR problems. But uh, so that was the Saudi connection and made me realize that we uh, too many people now are just uh, blaming Israel for everything and we go too easy on the Saudis the Saudis are very much a key to this whole empire because they have the oil and this Rothschild thing is built on oil and banks so that was the first story that got me into it and then I did a lot more uh, searching and I found some other really fascinating stories one is by Yosef Bodansky who's a uh, Israeli-American security expert, and his what he came up with 
is that the plan was actually twofold. There, there was a surge, a military surge, uh, starting in Turkey, which is the supplies, the armaments for the rebels, a week before August 21st, when this uh, uh, chemical weapon things happened, they started. They started planning a surge. They said there's going to be a game-changing event on August 21st, and we're going to build your. You got to be ready to to march on Damascus because it's going to change change the rules. So they they've been they already started uh, making some offensives uh, before the 21st, and now they've got those weapons in there. So, but Kerry cannot exp- or Obama cannot explain this to people. Is that well, we're doing this because we planned it, and we we got the weapons there, and now we want to march. He can't tell them that. He has to tell them, oh, it's a punitive chemical weapons thing, and and so only in the closed panel maybe they can say this is, this is how we're doing. You know, oh okay, but they can't do it in the full house, and they certainly can't do it in the media. So that's there's this disconnect. People say, well, what's the plan? It doesn't make sense. What do we get for it? Uh, we'll just make things worse. And, and they can't say, well, we're going in there to, to knock out the Syrian army. So, and then we're going to, we're going to, and we're already funding, they're sending more weapons to the rebels to, 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 to topple Damascus. They See, can't, I, but I don't discount the fact that uh, chemical weapons were probably used. The question is who used them and who provided the weapons to them. And of course, everybody's saying, even, even I, I saw an interview between uh, the Syrian ambassador and Christian Amanpour, where they keep uh, telling them, Syria is known to have chemical weapons. Yes, and so do we. Is, didn't we provide that to, to Saddam Hussein, who used them against uh, Iran and also against the Kurds? It's our weapons, too. So the question is, why hasn't the UN be present, presented all these uh, the evidence that supposedly is out there? Evidence should precede decision, not decision precede evidence. And right now, the Syrians are trying to provide the evidence, but we're saying that it's not credible. Well, the UN did more or less conclude that the, the, the small March chemical weapons attack, which had, I think, 25 deaths, was a, a rebel action. But, of course, that's completely hushed up. The UN also saw that they're going to concentrate only on whether or not siren gas was used and not who. And, of course, the U.S. is also concentrating on that and ignoring the who. It's like it's it's brainwashing tactic you only concentrate on that thing and say okay we won that point and if and everybody forgets uh, because people are not trained in the rules of rhetoric and logic in this country logic you, you will not find logic in the curriculum of any middle school high school in this in the country as far as i know because they don't want you to think logically they want to use impressionism and images and music and emotion to to steer people right so they don't talk about who they just talk about what and, and yeah, no, no concepts. They don't want to teach you concepts. They don't want you to think for yourself. As a matter of fact, uh, wasn't it Sibignu Brzezinski that, 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 speaking of Syria, he noted that it's getting harder for yeah. the empire to control public opinion. And he said, uh, quote, to put it bluntly, in earlier times, it was easier to control one million people than to physically kill, kill one million people. Today, it is infinitely easier to kill one million people yeah. than to control one million people. Yeah. Take and it from there. They, and they're completely failed to control the, the Syrian people. They tried it with this kind of color revolution thing, and they got a few ragtag people behind it. But one problem they have with Syria is part of the national belief system is that Syria 
is the target of an international conspiracy. People believe that. And of course, it's true. And that makes them pretty hard nut to crack. And of course, Putin being an avid uh, chess player, he obviously knows what it's doing. But Obama seems to be, you know, doubtful. A lot of trepidation makes him look weaker. And I've said this for a long time, even during Obama's first term. My biggest concern will be when Obama is re-elected or re-selected, that he's going to probably lose a lot of the approval rating. And when you have a, a, a president going down, that's when he gets desperate. Is he getting desperate? I don't think so. I, I think he's a trained puppet. He's he's just doing what his uh, masters tell him. Of course, he, he does have his own survival instincts. And I should think that any U.S. president, when he sees the U.K. parliament opt out, right. he's going to say, whoa. And uh, this Bashar al-Jafari uh, envoy, Syrian envoy to the U.N., made a, I think was the funniest wisecrack from this, this whole episode. He said that Cameron, the U.K. prime minister, Cameron and, and Obama climbed to the top of the tree and they couldn't get down. So they had to get the, the parliament to <laughs> help them down. Um, which is now history in the UK. We hope it happens in the US. And I link that kind of with this two-step thing where the the they lost the momentum. The Syrians now have the time to hide their their anti-aircraft uh, material uh, artillery and so on. And the surge, uh, the the they're going over time. Um, on rooting out the the rebels be, uh, who have received all these weapons, so that the whole timing is off. It was supposed to be a one-two punch, or three punch. First the chemical weapon, then the bombing, and then the then the march on Damascus. And the the march is completely fizzled. So maybe they want to climb down and wait for a better time. And there is one of the two resolutions, but it's been completely kind of shoved under the carpet. Uh, was that to give? Obama 60 days to come up with all his good reasons for this attack. The one that's more on the table is the one for, gives him 60 days to bomb like hell and explain, shoot first and ask questions later, unfortunately. But I hope that the other one passes. Cameron in the UK said that the people have spoken and his government will abide by that decision. But here I get the impression that Obama is playing a Bernays public relations moment to let the, the Congress and the Senate, to let the people talk. But he's prepared to act even if we say no, to the point that yesterday we saw uh, John McCain playing poker on his iPhone because I think he knows that it's boring to wait when he knows what the response is going to be anyway. <laughs> well, of course, the, the UK has a little bit different system, the parliamentary system, parliament with a vote of no confidence they can bring down the government. And you don't have that here. In the U.S., and we have it in the Constitution that declaration of war is uh, the the um, the remit of the Senate, and the funding is the remit of the Congress. But of course, that's been defied so many times that the precedent is is that executive can do whatever they damn please. There were some noises that the military actually doesn't have it in its budget to carry out this operation, and they sure won't if uh, if. Iran sinks a couple of carriers in the Gulf. <laughs> They'll be yeah. hurting in their budget for for decades. <laughs> yes, definitely. And uh, I believe you debunked, uh, or some people have debunked that story that came out a few days ago that uh, Syria allegedly shut down an F-22 Raptor with uh, 
four Tomahawk missiles last week. Have you looked into this? Oh, I couldn't find anything uh, cr credible. And my son, who's kind of a weapons um, fan, told me that Tomahawk is a sea-launched missile, so why would it be on board of a right. of an F-22? Uh, I think it's just kind of a meme that got popped. It was actually came out in Al-Manar in Lebanon, which is fairly reputable source normally, but I couldn't confirm it at all. But that said... Syria will not be in Afghanistan. Syria will not be in Iraq. And we know that Russia is behind. Syria is the proxy for Russia, period. And they have publicly stated that they're providing technology, uh, anti-ballistic missiles and so on, a defense shield. Are we aware of this? That is not going to be a walk in the park if we go there. Well, maybe there's a felt need to, to test you know, each one of these wars is also a testing ground for the weapons, a testing of metal Beta on test, the two yeah. sides. Yeah. So maybe they feel it's due for another test. But because like Libya was a joke, that was a cakewalk. And that's another thing. We didn't go to Congress to, to, to allow uh, Obama to go into Libya. And we saw what happened to Gaddafi there. Why is it that we're doing it now with Syria? Is it because people are really waking up and they're not believing any any of this? Well, I think another reason for one point that uh, was brought up by Jim Corbett on his background, why this, who's behind this, he brought out that uh, story from Wesley Clark about they're going to attack seven nations in five years. I think one aspect of that, of course, is, you know, greater Israel balkanized the Middle East. So Israel has free reign and you, you have these little countries, you know, billionaires can divide it up. Okay, that's this is mine, this is yours, and one guy can practically own the country. You destroy the nation states and they're all like little tiny principalities. So that's uh, one aspect of another is that the system is bankrupt and they seem to need to plunder, sacrifice some nation every year or two just to for the 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 bankers and the builders, you destroy the nation, the reconstruction contracts. I think the best, one of the great books on that was was um, that Economic Hitman uh, by that chap. John Perkins. Yeah, that actually did the job for many years. Uh, so, the you know, we've outsourced all the manufacturing jobs to China, so what are we going to live on? they gotta, they got to have some kind of scam to live off of, and this is it, plunder. And of course, for people who are listening, you know, there's a, there was a five-year plan, but this came from the Bush times in 2003, and they wanted a five-year plan, and chronologically would have been Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, and Sudan, and finishing off with Iran, seven countries. Well, why has it, what has it taken a, a, a turn? Why has it been delayed? Well, you see how they fared in the smallest of those, Somalia. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> But they did manage to ruin the place. It's the warlords, right? It's, and right. Th when the country is ruined like that, uh, you get into this kind of kind of cancerous model of society, where there's a little plutocracy, a, a little bunch of kleptocrats at the top, or maybe in Somalia it's warlords or something. And these people are consumers of Western goods. They send their kids to Eton and Oxford, and then the rest of the people uh, are completely they can't even afford stuff from China. So I've seen that it's in Albania, which is a country where I've lived in, and under the communist dictator Hoxha, they built everything, their own TV factory, their own blanket factory, their, and everything. 
when the revolution came there, you had these crazy people going around cutting down orange trees because they said they were state-owned orange trees and breaking all the greenhouses. Well, at that time, I thought, well, Albanians are sure hot-headed, but now I think that these were gangs that were put up to it. Because then they had to import all the fruit from Greece, and the, you know, in the European Union. Greece always thinks that Albania belongs to them, right? So you, you get this, this kind of which what, what they try to do with the banana republics, where you have this this really sickeningly rich, stupid overclass that just 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 bow down to the United States. The United States can do no wrong, and and they they send all their money to the U.S. The banks in the U.S. And you, they basically suck the country dry and send that money to, to Wall Street, and and that's that's the system. That's that's the American Empire, opposed to the British Empire. They had their boats and they had their men and they had their satraps. It's a different system now. It's uh, uh, it's it's also globalized in terms of you you cannot really go by what somebody's ethnic background is to say which side they're on, because in each in each country in each Actually, in each political grouping, they have their their people there that are doing their bidding and trying to steer things for them. And that's the thing. When it collapses in the Middle East, I have always wondered, you know, why are we supporting, once again, why are we supporting a Muslim Brotherhood? I understand that Mubarak was a dictator and, and he was pocketing probably a lot of the billions of dollars we were sending every year. But it's the devil we know. Now, we're supporting the Muslim Brotherhood. What is going to be the end game? In this area, is it because Israel wants to take over that area of the world and control all of them? Well, of course, it's that's <laughs> their, their stated intentions. the The reason for having Muslim Brotherhood types in there is these people do not have the nation's welfare at stake. Uh, they're not focusing on that. They're focusing on on some other private agenda, so they can be manipulated. Uh, to follow that agenda, which is really very unpopular in Egypt. The, the, the people are just really, really sick and disgusted with the Muslim Brotherhood and just revulsion and revolt against them. But they don't want it. The, the Egyptians are, you know, they have a tradition going back much further than the Arab conquest and Islam. They're the people that built the pyramids, right? So they have their own kind of more Mediterranean, uh, they're a little bit more easygoing, and they're not, they don't want to be run by fanatics. So that you, when right. you, you get the kind of uh, sectarianism, then you can have you can keep the people fighting each other, and then they cannot fight you, right? And they cannot, right. and they cannot pursue, you, and you can get away. Like I said, mudding, uh, fishing in muddy waters. You can get away with privatizing the state assets and do all kinds of crazy things because everything's such an uproar, and then and and there's no order, and there's no nobody there making sure that that it's all into. To, the benefit of the country, even a dictator like Saddam Hussein, who was an ex-CIA CIA asset, when you let one of these guys in there for for a while, they start thinking long term. I'm running this country. This is my country. I want the country to to prosper because it's mine. Even the Shah in Iran started to think that way. That's uh, right. Even Noriega in Panama. Right, and then <laughs> that's time to get rid of them because they start thinking in terms of what their country needs instead of what the the world order needs. That's right. And another part that uh, they don't tell too much in the United States, the fact that Syria wants to be left alone. They don't want any war. And, you know, many people think of Assad being a dictator. I mean, I think he's a little bit better than his father was. 
But at the same time, he has been able, even like Saddam Hussein, call him what you will, but at least he kept the country glued together. The Kurds, the Shias, the Sunnis. Here we have so many religions together in Syria. If an extremist comes along, as it's happening in Egypt, Christians are being butchered and other sects are being butchered too. What is the real purpose? Why is Israel in favor of all of this? Shouldn't they prefer to have peaceful neighborhood, a peaceful neighborhood as opposed to the contrary? Well, there's an old Czech proverb, uh, catch more fish in muddy water. The, our unpardonable, unpardonable sin is for a country to be truly independent. Because then they're not, they don't have a Rothschild-owned central bank that sucks all the wealth of the country out in interest. They don't have an IMF loan. They don't have Coca-Cola in there destroying their, their native bottlers. And speaking of Coca-Cola, that's a, another thing that Bash, uh, Assad said. We're so nationalistic. We want to help our people. We don't even allow Coca-Cola here. We have our own brand of soda, and it's better than Coca-Cola. Take it from there. When did he say that? Because I think that was... He said that in an interview with an RT reporter a few uh, days ago. Oh, really? Is that still the case? Because I, I thought it had, had changed. I no, have... it did change. I'm sorry. It did change. It did change. Yeah. And, yeah, you let these people in, and they t you give them an inch, and they, they take the whole house, you know? You let them, you let them stay overnight, and, they don't, and then they throw you out the next morning. Uh, That's right. I happen to know something from the inside about Coca-Cola. They have very, very predatory, very nasty practice, practices at, at putting competition out of business. It's a, it's a monster. Well, they have the financial wherewithal to do that uh, globally. Yeah. No, but they have a, a system. Which is really nasty. We really should be against any, if we had any fair fair trade laws, they would have been shut down a long time ago. Well, we don't need to get into all this, but even Big Pharma does that. They open a, a plant with 2,000 people, and if the government doesn't allow a certain medication or product to be you know, accepted by locally, they threaten by taking their right. plants away. But, you know, we're talking about proxies. We, we, th we see Turkey, Saudi Arabia, uh, Qatar, those are our proxies versus what Iran, uh, well, Iraq. I mean, where do they stand these days? They seem to be kind of in the middle, aren't they? Well, Iraq is still occupied, but for an occupied country, they're doing a pretty damn job of uh, following an independent policy. That's right. And, the and pipeline. That's I, yeah. Like, and I, like I said, I think the Americans realized they didn't, they didn't buy a friend. How about Afghanistan? Oh, that's a complete mess. And I think that the U.S. wants to keep it a mess indefinitely because that's kind of the crossroads where China has a border, Russia has a border, Pakistan has a border. The, there's more pipeline politics there. The only possible course for building an oil pipeline from the Gulf to China would be via Pakistan. So they have to keep that area in turmoil. Uh, China has only gotten as far as building a, a seaport, an oil terminal uh in pakistan on the gulf but they haven't uh, they can't do the pipeline because there's too much turmoil there and that's probably they want to keep that boiling that pot for a while of so course yeah go ahead. a lot of with a lot of collateral damage to the innocent population so nobel peace prize winner 
Obama. <laughs> okay, who who received that? Who was uh, nominated even before he became president? I never understood that, but. Paint a picture of what you what we should be expecting in the next few days, depending on where, you know, Congress and the Senate vote. Well, my understanding is that the the full the full House, uh, the Congress won't be back to vote until the ninth. Right now, they've had a vote by the the panels um, in favor, so they have to sell that to the to the full House and Senate. Uh, I saw one uh, kind of mainstream account that it's. Kind of dodgy in the Senate. They they need. There's a lot of Republicans voting against it, just just to spite Obama. Um, and then you have the left left liberal re- Democrats. Some of them are against it, so they they have a pretty hard sell. Um, but then Obama has also said he'll he'll do it even against Congress's wishes. I don't know if that if he then really, why why go to Congress if he still wants to do it on his own? Maybe they're trying to gain time. Um, they're they're saying that Congress will lose its credibility if it if it doesn't stand up against this chemical weapons attack, and and partly the whole thing is now being in uh, in the bully has to keep showing that he's tough kind of thing. Otherwise, he's, we we're not a we can't bully people anymore. That's safe face. What they're saying, yeah, credibility. Our credibility will be lost if we don't carry through on it, and we'll be a laughing stock, which is not a very good reason for doing something. <laughs> Not at all. You know, what I, what I tell people when they ask me about this, just take action. Stop watching the media and take action. There's a website. I forgot which one it was. Uh, I think it's whatismyrabbit.com or, or just Google it. And if you live in the United States, just go to it. Put your zip code yeah. and write, or better than writing, call your representative. Call your congressman or congresswoman. We'll sit in their office. <laughs> exactly. Or, or they're playing, uh, you know, po- uh, poker with their iPhones well well this is this is uh, being discussed but call them call them once you make your voices heard and tell them you will not get my vote if you vote for war again because the question is what will happen if we go through a couple of missiles there we're not going to have a walk in the park it's going to be there's going to be a response don't you think JP well i'm not a military expert i don't know i mean there's been there's been uh, pretty brave talk by the syrian side um, and like I say, maybe they partly want to want to test it out. I think Russia. It's a. I hear conflicting reports as to whether Russia sent their their uh, finally sent the their best anti aircraft stuff that they were supposed to send down there, the S three hundred or four hundred or whatever it is. Maybe they don't want it to fall into the wrong hands. I don't know, or maybe they've just been cautious. But I see Putin upping the ante uh, more now than he has before. Although they still said, well, these two ships that are going there, they were scheduled on rotation or something. So they're still kind of keeping a low profile in, in some ways, the Russians. the uh, I guess they've given the Syrians time to kind of maybe uh, distribute their assets around, so make them harder to hit. Well, one interesting story was the, the, the FSA, these, these rebels, they've been given chips guidance chips to go around and put wherever there's a target so that uh uh wow yeah so they're real traders uh but not all of the rebels are so keen on this u.s in, in intervention either especially the leftists are against it um 
Now, who are these rebels? Because here in the media, they're just calling all of them an umbrella, a blanket statement out there, calling them Al-Qaeda. Who are these rebels? Well, it seems that at the beginning, there, there were some of the people that had grievances against the government there were taking up arms. They claimed that the defectors from the army, I don't know how many of those, uh, a lot of those had a change of heart. Uh, a lot of them were killed. And it seems now it's just a constant stream of mercenaries and fanatics coming over the borders for Turkey. Of course, Saudi Arabia has unlimited funds for this, and they've been in the business of promoting Wahhabism for two centuries or so. They've been, like I said, they've been funding the distortion of Islam. So you get these these extremists there, these jihadists that want to fight a secular regime. And that's where you get what you mentioned in, in Egypt, uh, starting burning down churches and things. These are people have a very, very strange and distorted idea of what Islam is about. And that's, uh, that's where you're getting, that's what you saw in Libya too. So it's a, it's a, there's soldiers of fortune. There's, there's uh, people without a job. There, there's, uh, children being pressed into service by the rebels, kidnapped and, and made to carry guns. And then you know, with mercenaries and, and fanatics. With the war in Iraq and Afghanistan, I always found it interesting how, you know, there's no mention of uh, a draft. And I did some research and found that about 50% of the military force there is private contractors. And no wonder a lot of our military is is upset that some of them make an enormous amount of money more than they do, and the dead, the, the wounded and the dead, is not reported as part of the casualties and the wounded in, in these uh, wars. So I wouldn't doubt that they're using all these rebels and paying them, and that's how they keep their wars going right now. But, uh, you know, speaking of, of Kerry and his speech, when he talked about sodium fluoride and potassium fluoride, as those were the chemical weapons that were used. However... That's what they use in the United States in our water supply. So, why? Well, those are precursors of sarin. That's what uh, you combine them in some way. There was also an interesting story that, that Britain had given a license to export those two fluorides to Syria. That's and right. We can't find out to whom and, and uh, whether anything really was shipped on those licenses. But they're fairly easily obtainable chemicals. So... Another point that has been made is that you cannot really detect sarin in one of these investigations because it decomposes quickly. What you're, you're finding is uh, the, down, the, sort of the byproducts and they could have the or end products that could come also from pesticides, from a lot of different things. So the one point was made that when you see signatures of sarin, it's not sarin. It could be signature of, of you know... <laughs> ortho roach killer or something too or whatever i don't know i'm not a chemist either but um it's uh we do it does appear that something like that was used another point another report was made that that the military sarin uh doesn't have the stench that the the kitchen made stuff does and that the stench was reported uh when it on this uh on this attack and that this on the march attack the sh the shards of the rockets they were these homemade rockets that the that the rebels are able to make in little factories there. Now, do but, you remember? Uh, it could have been anybody. It could have been. It could have been a couple 
commandos from CIA commandos coming in from Turkey and, and shooting off a couple of uh, shells and disappearing. There's also videos of rebels uh, loading and firing uh, an artillery piece with a chemical weapon shell. Uh, those are on the internet, which what they prove is, well, they're, firing, they're sitting in the city and they're firing into the next neighborhood. <laughs> it looks pretty deadly. That's right. Yes, yes. Is it interesting that they they never show you know, a chemical weapon attack on a, an insane asylum or, or a building full of elderly, they always choose women and children because it has the biggest impact in the population. And I yeah. think, once again, this was done in order to rally the population in the United States. But I have a question. Uh, uh, you remember a year or two ago when some nuclear weapons were transferred in the United States and, and uh, some of the people in that base died? There's a new piece of information here. It says, uh, according to the high-level military source who has a strong record of continually being proven correct in deep military activity the dais air force commander authorized unknown parties to transfer the nuclear warheads to an unknown location that has been reported to be south carolina where the warheads will then be picked up and potentially utilized have you looked into this story that was a, that was a while back yeah i, I looked at that actually this I, is yesterday oh this is a new one yes i thought you were talking about the amino south dakota one no, that's the old one. This is a new one that came out yesterday. Well, maybe they need this extra nuke for a false flag op, right? Exactly. And you may have heard a few days ago, I did a special report discussing a brain tank meeting with former CIA director Woolsey, explaining how our electrical grid is in danger. And anybody can actually... Uh, you know, basically drop a nuclear bomb above our heads here, above, you know, X number of thousand feet above our heads. And this could actually cripple the entire electrical grid. I don't know if people saw the, the TV series Jericho. I, I say this all the time, but this is a scenario. We, we lose a nuclear warhead, is detonated above our heads, and then blame it on a rogue country. And then, boom, you have everybody on their knees. Well, I'd be lucky. I'd be glad if it only disables the grid and not kills all the people. <laughs> That's the least it'll do. That's right. I guess there's certain weapons that concentrate on that, EMP and so on. Exactly, exactly. Any other comments you would like to uh, make regarding uh, this situation that uh, seems to be escalating by the hour? Well, I would just say that um, I've done a lot of research in the last few days on this. And also last year, quite a lot. And a lot of this material is with links and everything is at progressivepress.com. If you click on the blog link, there's the Dirty War on Syria. Dirty War on Syria is the name of my blog. And I think you'll have a pretty up-to-date picture of what's been happening there. And uh, then we did also publish Subverting Syria last year, which, as I mentioned, shows the early stages of it, how they... They prepare these uh, these insurrection. So yeah, it's uh, nothing is what it appears to be, and I think the ninety percent of the people that are against this, uh, they are, are just. Uh, I think it's tied to the twenty three percent that that still believe in the mainstream media. And the the sad part of it is uh, people don't know what to do, uh, even if the ninety percent of us are against it, and and eighty percent of us don't believe the what we're being told, they just carry on their merry way, regardless. If Congress votes yes 
to do this. Or if they vote no and Obama pushes ahead, I think that is really the red line for everybody to come to the conclusion that this government is not of the people anymore. It hasn't been for a long time. I agree. But now, th now they're doing it in our faces. And from that moment on, I think it's time for people to stand up. I don't know what else is going to happen. If they get away with this, this one time, I don't know what's going to happen with this country, JP. Well, I would be wary of any any wild revolutionary violent uh, movements that come up. They will all probably all be infiltrated, instigated, run by the powers that be to, to make a, a counter reaction and counterproductive. Um, I know that sounds a little bit passive or pessimistic, but uh, it's what they want. They want a revolution. Well, they want so to instigate it. Maybe they do, but at the same time, you have people claiming that we're being dumbed down with fluoride so that we won't revolt. I'm I just saying that uh, we don't need a revolution. We had one in 1776. Like it says on Alex Jones' website, the answer in 1984 is 1776. We have a properly constituted government. It just has to, We have to re follow our constitution. So... I think maybe more passive resistance in the Gandhi mode would be would be the would be the way because we already have the form of government that we want. Well, I, I don't not, think not, not I don't even think revolution and just and and starting uh, smashing windows and so on. I think that's just going to give them that's going to make the majority say, "Hey, we don't we don't need this. We weren't Agreed. we weren't suffering that much. Look at the crackdown." So I'm just saying, beware if if it really people really do start getting. Uh, angry, beware of the the revolutionaries. They are probably uh, useful idiots or, or or moles or patsies or something. Well, when you have the president saying that we have a democracy, this is not a democracy or a democratic, uh, you know, form of government. This is a constitutional republic. Is being said by somebody who allegedly was a constitutional attorney. <laughs> now that makes me wonder. Um, one last thing. The the 1.6 billion bullets, which is no longer a hoax, folks. This has been proven, and they have confirmed it that they were going to do it in a five-year uh, installment. And the military armor uh, armored uh, vehicles that they have to be used in the United States. What's your take on that? I forgot to ask you that. I'm afraid I'm not up on that story. What what kind of um, a billion-dollar bullet? Yep, 1.6 billion bu oh, bullets. hollow point bullets uh, oh, purchased by Homeland oh, Security. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty scary, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> what do you need so many bullets for? Target practice against you and me, right? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Target practice, you don't use hollow point bullets for target practice, only if you're going to use them. Uh, yeah. But, you know, yes. here they are trying to hoard all these, these the, the ammo so that you and I cannot get ammo. Uh, they want to take the guns away from the from uh, law-abiding yeah. citizens, yeah. but they, here they are giving the, the guns to the Mexican cartels. Yeah. Makes no sense. Yeah, I've become more... Well, the Second Amendment is there for a very good reason. That's right. Exactly. To protect my First Amendment and our microphones and our voices here. That's right. Do you also have a book that you wrote, right? Not really. They, my authors don't give me time to write my own book. <laughs> <laughs> but you have a great selection of authors there. I've interviewed many of them, and we'll continue doing so in the next uh, uh, a few weeks and I months. I did do a DVD on Syria, a 12-minute DVD called something like... Um, Oh, I forget the name. That was a year ago, but it's about the, 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 how the not chemical weapons, but other massacres were were 
that were done by the rebels, and then they claim that it was uh, the government. I think if you look on Daraya, D-A-R-A-Y-A, that was the neighborhood. And maybe if you look on a uh, serious situation, kind of a pun on words, um, uh, S-E-R, serious like a serious problem, serious situation and the uh, false flag in Daraya, then you'll uh, – it's in my blog, the, a link to that DVD that I made. Great. Well, John Paul Leonard, JP, thank you so much for being part of this special segment. Let's stay in touch for more updates if we need to. Okay. Thanks so much, Mel. Great thank you. To you. Okay. You too. Okay. Bye bye. And that was John Paul Leonard from Progressive Press, giving us his geopolitical perspective on the possible conflict with Syria. Please subscribe at VeritasRadio.com to download this interview and all of our material. By supporting Veritas, you are supporting true, uncensored, and independent media. Don't let others, including the mainstream media, do the thinking for you. Think for yourself. This is Mel Fabregas. Until next time, be well.